Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Leading In and Speaking Out. I'm Michelle Lamb and I'm here today with Lisa Wood. She is a visual artist, she is an associate professor in the Ishkabatens Wasaga Inabateg Department of Visual Arts. Beautifully done. Thank you. Yes. She has a Master's of Fine Arts from Yale and has done a lot of work in the last, how long have you been creating? About 20 years actually now, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. It feels like a heartbeat, but it's been a while. So I looked at your website and oh, some great. of your art in yeah, preparation wonderful. for this, and mm. a lot of your art aims to disrupt and question who is portrayed mm -hmm. or where or absolutely bringing the community of artists. And you also seem to do a lot of recording and using cameras absolutely. to create. It's super fascinating. This yeah. is great. That's absolutely what I'm thinking about. Like I, I have a love for figurative art. So painting and drawing that involves people. So I'm thinking about portraiture, but also bodies. And I've been thinking about social settings that involve food for probably the last 10 to 15 years. Thinking about how we act when we're together with people and how food is used as this kind of way to break the ice. It can be used when you don't know what to say. There's always eating. When mm -hmm. we celebrate, we eat. When we mourn, we eat. Yeah, looking at those situations where food is involved and it eases the social tension. So I'm not an artist, so tell me if I'm wrong, but it yeah. seems like in traditional fine arts, yeah. there would be like portraits of people, no uh -huh. food, yes. or like still life with food. Yes. So you're combining two things in a new I way. I am, and there is a whole, there's a whole array of artwork, a whole genre actually from Dutch genre painting of people celebrating and eating food. And I definitely looked a lot at those images when I started this work around food. And I was also looking at Franz Hals, who is a part of that genre, but then steps aside because he also paints just portraits as well in this more genre painting was considered to be sort of base and anybody could have genre paintings in their home whereas mm. portraiture was more for this higher class kind of like the... yes yeah. exactly and i love franz halls because he paints expression so well which mm. i think would be when you think about that era he's not using photography in the same way we are now so i'm interested in expressions and body language but i get to that through recording so through mm. using cameras either still cameras or like photography or video cameras and also recording audio. How did it feel for people to come into that space and be recorded but have some food together? How was that? Well, it's interesting. So in previous projects where I was recording events that had food, so I you were just speaking about the body of work openings that looked at art openings there I felt like I was spying on a situation that was already happening right I had these cameras set up there were disclaimers about cameras being there but people were supposed to just act as if they weren't there and act normally in the new body of work or the newer bodies of work that I'm working on now 
like the dinner parties, I'm actually setting up the social situation and instead of looking antagonistically at something like the food at an art opening, thinking about using food to create a safe space so mm-hmm. that people can come together and actually have a true like intimate moment of sharing and being able to talk about things that might be hard over a home-cooked meal. Wow, okay, so the role of food has changed a bit in how you're... Yeah, I, I have been thinking about the comfort of food and the act of labor in making food and who's doing that labor and paying that labor back forward again. So what's your what's the series called now that you're thinking about? Or do you have a title already? Yes, yeah, so I'm working on this one series called The Dinner Parties. Mm-hmm. And it's a riff on the Judy Chicago piece. It's a feminist art piece from 1979 called The Dinner Party. Mm-hmm. So in Judy Chicago's piece, she creates uh, place settings for 39 mythical and historical women that she wants to come together in this kind of coven to have an amazing dinner party and talk about ruling the world or how, <laughs> however they're coming together. And instead I wanted to have one-on-one meals and have several of them and thinking about the later criticism of Judy Chicago's work that it wasn't very intersectional mm-hmm. and instead wanting to reach out to different people with intersectionality in mind and having these one-on-one dinner parties and thinking about multiplicity of experiences. Wow, that's fascinating. So when you are working on this series, what are you hoping, like you talked a little bit about bringing Mm -hmm. in intersectional identities, but what are you hoping comes out later? What are your goals? It's interesting because when the dinner parties when i started thinking about making this body of work there was a a research report a research review pardon me that came out in 2018 and i want to make sure i get the name right it's called the status of women in the canadian arts and cultural industries and so it looked really broadly it was put out by the uh, ontario arts council and it was looking at gender disparity and wanting to get some numbers behind it like how are we doing And I looked specifically at the visual art component of it and found that like in any other sector, a lot of the numbers were the same as they always have been. Women visual artists make 65% of male visual artists at, at that moment in 2018 at any rate. And a few of the other stats that were very interesting, 36% of, uh, exhibitions at major museums were by women artists. 36. 36. And then only 3% of exhibitions at major museums were women artists who are BIPOC, so Black, Indigenous, people of color. So I wanted to look into that. The other one that really struck me was around the sale of artwork, so the commercialization of artwork and men's artwork sold for just an amazing amount more than women's did. So 87% more than women's did. So I was just like, how is this still happening? And the research report also showed that overwhelmingly women were really highly educated. More women identify as artists than men, just slightly. It might be 54%. Yeah, they're highly educated. They're making the work, but they're not 
achieving these same levels of success. And I thought, is that really people's experience? Is that still what friends that I know are going through? Why does it happen? Do we need to still talk about this? I guess so. Clearly, <laughs> you know? only 3% of Clearly. Yeah. yeah. And that's what made me want to have these dinners to, to talk to people about their experiences. And then out of that, my idea was that I wanted to make portraits, some sort of commemorative images of these women artists, contemporary women artists who are doing the work and are contributing to the field, but who might not normally be commemorated in a portrait. So I wanted to make portraits of the artists and I also wanted to record our conversations. And then I thought about wanting to make these audio collages of different voices talking about their experiences. So in exhibition, you would see the portrait work with these audio collages. And it has taken me quite a long time to get to the point, particularly the audio collage that's not the genre I normally work in, but it's provided amazing opportunities for learning and broadening my skill set. So this is a really different process because it's not solely creation, it's like research creation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It totally brought me into research creation. And I had an interesting moment in the artwork where from all of these photographs that I took, so when I had dinners with people, I actually used a still camera and a time-lapse function that would take photos every 15 seconds mm -hmm. and I then looked through all of the images thousands and thousands and found images where the guest had their mouth open and I was thinking about like these images of women with their mouth open like literally not being silenced and counteracting that I had all of the photographs printed just locally at Walmart in order to get them off my computer. I came in and had boxes and boxes of prints waiting for me there. I think they thought I was a bit nuts. Because <laughs> all the same subject. Right? All the same subject, the most boring images of people eating food with Good. their mouth open. Yeah, and I, I put them out on the floor of my studio and started grouping them together in like gestures. So thinking about the common body language that we have. And I was really surprised to see so much common body language. A hand to the chest or a hand to the mouth. Lots of reaching out in this kind of gesture of, what the heck, Why, what is happening? Lots of fists actually came up, that was another one. So I went through this whole process with the photographs and came to making these mixed media drawings that had paint on them as well overlapping images of people doing the same gesture and then I went with the audio and I'm working with Brendan Ehinger who is a sound artist and my partner and I brought all of this work to him and said okay I want I imagine these being collages of people speaking and so we worked together to try to make something happen but the there was just way too much audio. It was like hours and hours of audio. And I didn't have the skill set to search through the audio and thematically group it. And I was pretty frustrated with it actually. And I ended up meeting with um, Dr. Carla Rice and Dr. Ingrid Mundell from the Recenter, uh, Revision Center for Art and Social Justice. 
out of the University of Guelph and I was explaining to them my project and how I was feeling frustrated about the audio component and they said to me oh you need to do qualitative analysis <laughs> on all of the the transcripts from the interviews and I thought oh boy <laughs> and that's how I got into research creation basically so the creation kind of happened first and then I brought in this research element and I I tapped on the shoulder of my friend, Dr. Brianna Lawrence, whose associate professor was here at BU, and she's now at the University of Victoria. And we worked together with an RA, Nikki Brasser, and coded all of the audio, looking for, we actually used Johnny Saldana's affective coding method, and we were looking at the way that people interpreted events that were happening in their life and then their responses, their emotional responses, the attitudes and beliefs that they had around the things that were happening. So all of that coding came together and I was able to piece out four major themes that I could find in the audio thinking of why is this gender disparity still occurring and First, it came to the same grappling questions. Literally, all of my, all of the people that I dined with, saying, "Why is this still happening? What is going on? Can we believe this? Are we surprised by this?" Generally, nobody was surprised. That was also interesting to me. And then we looked at what is success. So something that I heard from them was that the research review really focused on success as a very narrow definition and very few of them actually thought about success in their career in that same way. Their career might not be quote unquote successful according to the research review, but for them they were doing quite well and they were successful. Yeah, we grouped together audio clips around success. We also thought about the gender binary and labels and how that's working to reinforce these same sorts of outcomes again and again. So are we looking at women? Are we looking at gender minoritized people? How, how are conditions of capitalism and colonialism affecting everybody, not just women? And then we looked at parenting and caregiving and domestic labor. So those four categories allowed me to then pull out all kinds of clips and essentially compose an audio collage that I went back to Brendan with and we've been working together to overlap the audio and create these sorts of immersive experiences. What an immense undertaking. That's a ton of time and investment <laughs> and effort. How did you get interested in this or what inspired you to that I really found um, that my history of working with mentoring artists for women's art or MAWA in Winnipeg, I was working there for five years before I moved out to Brandon. Um, so our work every day there is around redressing gender inequity in the visual arts. Um, and then actually when I was at MAWA, every day at lunch, the staff of MAWA come together and eat together and we share what's going on in our lives. We talk about work, uh, everything comes out. And there are these really productive sort of hour in my life. And then I came out to BU and suddenly I was eating my lunch in front of my computer. I didn't know how to do a lot of things there. I felt like 
I wasn't in the know. I felt like there wasn't a lot of transparency around the system of academia. And so I started asking colleagues out for lunch, one-on-one, -on -one, to say, hey, what's going on with this? <laughs> Who do I talk to about this? And suddenly I started getting information. So when the research review came out, I thought about those conversations I, I was already having, and I started thinking, maybe there's an art project here, and maybe I can get into it that way. That's really interesting, and it's a really good connection to Lindsay McLaughlin's episode that we just oh, recorded great. earlier. And she was saying the same thing, but around caregiving and COVID that women were needing specific supports from their institution and especially around like how to find resources or how to do if you're new yes. to the institution feeling isolated right lots of overlap with what you just said oh so. that's so interesting thank you for just that beautiful <laughs> that's excellent i can't wait to listen yeah. to Lindsay's episode also then <laughs> i'm going to read the theme of the 2023 women's history month great the theme is called Through Her Lens, Celebrating the Diversity of Women, and it emphasizes the importance of recognizing the achievements and contributions of women from diverse backgrounds. Mm -hmm. It focuses on the unique perspectives, experiences, and challenges faced by Indigenous women from two SLGBTQIA communities and newcomer racialized and migrant women. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what are you finding in your research that's connecting yeah. with this year's theme? And Absolutely, lots, probably, but, uh, yeah. so many things. So when I when I sent out invitations to dine with people, I thought about intersectionality very carefully because I wanted to have people who represented different cultures and backgrounds. I wanted different ages. I wanted different family statuses, different sexual orientations, different stages in their career or types of artwork that they produced. And what I thought was so interesting was that in our conversations, I did work with a loose script, <laughs> a loose set of questions, and the answers were fascinating because there are definitely overlaps, but people's very different experiences lead them to different outcomes. Not everyone felt the same way, and it really reinforced the importance of recognizing intersectionality and not blanketing. So thinking about first and second wave feminism and the criticism around this idea of all women this or all women that, that, that is definitely what I found in terms of different experiences and different outcomes. That being said, there were a lot of areas of overlap. So trying to find that balance, I think is really interesting. And actually out of the dinner parties work, it acted as a catalyst for me to want to continue to have conversations with artists over dinner and want to increase the intersectionality that I saw. And so I have continued on with the project. I'm now opening it up and tentatively calling it table making and talking with artists who are working with social justice ideas and the ways in which they're getting their artwork out into the world, which may or may not be the kinds of markers of success from the other uh, study. So that's been really fascinating to hear how their diversity and intersectionality has been a strength and how they've been able to use that strength to propel their work forward. Is that table making title coming from that build a longer table quote? Yes. 
it is, and it's also coming from a panel that I had helped to facilitate for UAC, which is a University Art Association of Canada that was called Radicalizing the Lazy Academy. Okay. And we had asked different artists who are also academics to come and speak about what they need and what they saw and what were concrete steps forward that could happen. So it wasn't like this idea of EDI that is very something that everybody wants and yet where are the steps forward? Where's the actual work happening? And there was an artist named Carmela Legance and Tian Ning Chang and they talked all about tables. They talked about tables, they talked about needing to construct their own tables and that mm -hmm. asking for a seat at the table that already exists was not what they wanted mm -hmm. and that table building was extremely hard work and that it was work that included a lot of mistakes and that they wanted to come together to share resources for table making. So I, I acknowledge Tian in, in my title, table making, and thinking about having my dinners as these spaces. She talks about the table being a space of friendship and being able to learn together. So it's not about tearing each other down. It's not about the fear of making mistakes, but instead building up together. That's a beautiful place to bring us to a close, yes, maybe. Yes, wonderful. But do you want to share anything about what's coming next or places sure. people can access your art or Absolutely. exhibitions? Well, they any of that? definitely should look at my website, which is lisawood.ca. And I'm finally at a place with the dinner parties where I can start finding exhibition venues. So irons in the fire, but nothing concrete just yet. I'm also working on a paper for RACAR, which is the Journal of the University Art Association of Canada. Okay. I'll, if you send me links, I'll put them up underneath the show Great. notes. And that sounds perfect. Thank you again for coming.